The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, Nate and Chris in the studio here today in a hot one in Canada. It's hot, like muggy, humid, it's, it's glorious. <laughs> glorious. <laughs> glorious. I, you, know what, you know what I always find funny about this time of year? We live in Canada, so we get very drastic like weather swings. Extremes, yeah. All winter long, all people talk about is they can't wait till summer. And then as soon as it gets hot in summer, all they people complain. do, they, oh, it's just whining. And we I'm just are like, not content. <laughs> we are. We are the we, worst. We need to learn what the Apostle Paul said that I have learned in whatever situation to be content. <laughs> so we need to learn in horrible humidity or in minus 50 degree coldness to the art of Christian contentment. That's what we need to learn. I feel like that's an entire episode that we could do. We could do that. Or you could just move to Vancouver, <laughs> where it's pretty even keel all the time. I, I feel like they need missionaries in Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. It's like 22 degrees, so like 75. You, you propose that at the next business meeting. I'm going to. I'm going to. I've been, I've been feeling the call to Hawaii. <laughs> nice. Well, we are uh, the Rebel Podcast, and... Uh, and if you're just getting to know us, uh, now's a great time to get to know us because we are kind of relaunching uh, some, some. there's some exciting things going on. So first of all, uh, let me just kind of officially um, say that we have uh, partnered with the Awakening Reformation podcast and you should go and check them out. And, uh, and we partnered with them for in a couple of ways. Number one, uh, we just love what they're doing over there. That's Grant and Erica Van Brimmer. So we've partnered with them and uh, and our podcast, the Rebel Podcast, and their Awakening Reformation Podcast are kind of coming under the banner of Rebel Alliance Media. We always yeah. kind of uh, we always kind of talked about how we wanted Rebel Alliance Media to be broader than just this podcast, and so uh, so we're doing that. We're we're pulling in a couple of podcasts. Uh, Awakening Reformation is the first one that we're partnering with, and then uh, Grant and Erica, along with friends and longtime listeners of Rebel uh, Rebels, Andrew and Ben Emery, uh, they're brothers uh, he, uh, from up here in Canada. Uh, the four of them are going to start uh, blogging for us as well. So if you head now, maybe you went there early on when you started listening to Rebels at rebelalliancemedia.com, uh, you'll see blog posts that are coming out weekly from all four of those individuals, and uh, and we're super excited about just just that. Um, getting Awakening Reformation uh, podcast uh, heard by our listeners because we, like we said, we're they're doing some awesome things over there. And basically, what we're doing is we're we're compiling a little army, <laughs> and uh, and all of these individuals are all post millennial. They are all um, doctrines of grace. They are all uh, fully uh, submitted to and enthusiastic about the sovereignty of God, and all passionate about engaging the culture and changing the culture uh, through the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. So 
we're, uh, we're, we're trying to not only equip you to engage culture with the biblical worldview, but we're amassing uh, a group of people who can, uh, with us, help equip you and kind of help uh, get engaged in the culture war. So head on over to the Facebook page, uh, head on over to the website and, uh, and check out all the new stuff that's going on. Uh, we're super excited about that. And you're going to hear more about that in the weeks to come. Yeah. If you, and if you had been to the website previously and want and know what it kind of looks like, go recheck it out. Cause we, we retweaked it. It looks a lot better. Um, it's a lot cleaner, easier to use. And you can see some of the blog posts are already up there now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and one of the other things we'll say is we, we threw up on the website, a, a donation button. Um, it's certainly not required by any means, any stretch of the imagination. But we have had some people ask about how they can support the Rebel Alliance and, and what's going on. Um, and, and that just is going to help us pay for uh, domains and uh, and content creation, YouTube, Vimeo subscriptions, all that kind of stuff uh, so that we can keep pumping out content. Uh, many of you have been watching the Eschatology series that we did. We want to do more stuff like that, working our way through texts of the Bible. Uh, we have a really ambitious thought of kind of going through some Old Testament law and how it applies to modern day. Um, so, so there's lots of stuff that we have in our head. We just need uh, the funds to do it. Yeah, so not, if you want to support Rebels, uh, that's an opportunity for you to do it. Yeah, it's not a Nate's Kids Child Fund. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't send Quinn to school. Yeah, no, no, it's not, nothing like that. But uh, yeah, so anyway, we, it all uh, goes back. we appreciate all your uh, support, uh, whether it's listening support, sharing, liking our posts, interacting with us, uh, or, or any financial support you can give us. Uh, it all comes back and, and goes back into helping you engage culture. So um, while we say all that, why don't we jump into some rebel news? You had something you were giggling. Is gig- giggling's kind of a, a, a Malakoy term? So I, I apologize. You, just, you were chuckling, was, which sounds far more manly than giggling. Laughter, yeah, <laughs> big belly laughter. Uh, so you're laughing about something over there. What do you got for rebel news? So I just saw this article yesterday on Facebook. Um, <laughs> Miss Amer- Miss Universe, sorry, um, will allow a transgender contestant. So a, a Spanish model, Angela Ponce, um, will so it's compete. So a dude who's transitioning yeah. uh, to pretend that uh, yeah. he's a woman. Yes. Got it. I, okay. I, love the, I love the use of pretend. You're going to go right where we're going with this. Um, <laughs> pretending, and they're going to compete against all these other women in Miss, in Miss Universe. Ugh. Which, let me point out, is only possible because of a... a, a, a a rule change that Donald Trump actually instituted in 2012 when he still still ran this pageant. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> so. so so sorry, Donald Trump made this possible? Yes. Oh, that's funny. I know. What do you um, think of this? Uh, so a couple things. Number one, I feel bad for any of the judges, right? Like, how are they going to vote against, right? So if, if this person doesn't go far, if they don't do well in the competition, you know there's going to be all kinds of backlash about bigotry and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that sucks. Number two, um, I mean, it just, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, this is where we're going, right? We're going, this is, this is the agenda. This is so, so first it's, it's, uh, you know, sympathize, then it's normalize and then it's celebrate. And so here we are, we're at the celebration phase and, uh, and I imagine we're going to see more and more of this for sure. Yeah. I think it's, I think, I think this is interesting because this is the first, to, to my knowledge, this is the first time we're seeing like something that has always been very segregated those lines being blurred now and it's we've we've made jokes off air we've made jokes maybe even on on air about the fact that how long is it going to take until 
a male decides, well, no, I identify as a woman and joins the Olympics and just destroys everybody. And we're seeing that happen, just not quite at the Olympic level yet, but at the like world competitions leading up to the Olympics, we're seeing that now. Yes, exactly. So this, this is a, this is a different venue, but another time this is happening. And once that starts happening, people are going to start, I think, start seeing the, well, no, you can't say these are all equal, equal things. So it'll be very interesting to see how, how, the LGBTQ plus whatever they call themselves now movement kind of turns spirits. on each other once yeah. once some of these things start batting heads against, well, can you really celebrate women's rights when there is no such thing really as a woman and we can all be what we want? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> we've talked about that before, about um, how excited we are <laughs> to see to see the left, really the the ideological left, eat its eat, eat each other, right? In this, we want to see the feminists clash with the transgender activists and all that kind of stuff. So we do want to see that. But I, let me just like back the train up just for a second here, and say what what paved the way for transgenderism to become normalized like this was the fact that. Um, first came feminism. So I, we get that they are diametrically opposed, and, and even now we're seeing activists on either side actually fight in war against one another. But the, the feminist movement that said that stereotypical um, characteristics of women don't define women, right? So, so the softness of a woman, um, you know, less physical strength of a woman, less assertive by nature, more, more nurturing and caring by nature. Um, feminism rejected all of those norms. And really what they were rejecting was the way that God designed the world and, and the way that God designed men and women. And so when we had Tim Bailey on, he talked about how um, being true to the sex that God made you is, is how you live out your calling. And so the minute that women abandoned the way God designed them as the characteristics that they would cultivate in their lives and allow to flourish and define them as women, as soon as they abandoned that, then, then it was. It was a slippery slope into masculinity. And as soon as you have masculine women, then of course the next step is is make, like make it official. Start start tying some tubes and stuff. So, I, I I think that this this happened a long time ago, and I think that one of the ways, uh, just in the way of application for any of our Christian female listeners, I would just say one of the ways that you combat this, even if you're not the one like us who are getting involved in Facebook wars and and uh, it really engaging on kind of the front lines and and getting some of the hostility as we're posting articles and things like that, even one of the ways you combat this as just a, a normal everyday woman, Christian woman, is embrace the feminine qualities that scripture gives, right? Read Proverbs 31 and, and see what a biblical woman looks like and pursue those things as virtues and call what God calls good and feminine, call good and feminine. And, and don't pursue what the world says um, women can be, but pursue what God says women ought to be. So, Amen. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, <clears throat> kind of in the same vein, just because somehow um, the right to murder babies goes along with feminism. Um, I, I, just, I just find it interesting. So I wonder what you think about this. So there's, um, you know, uh, the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court uh, Judge Kennedy, um, Justice Kennedy is retiring. And the left has just been freaking out about this, right? Because they recognize he is by far the most liberal judge on the Supreme Court in, in America. And, uh, and Trump has a list. I think he's got his list down to five potential nominees now. And I was just reading this article that was talking about how there's basically two pro-abortion um, uh, Republican senators 
who uh, are worried about. So the, 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 the Senate right now, there's a slim 51 to 49 majority, uh, which means that uh, Susan Anthony, um, uh, yeah, and Majory, yeah, I, I don't know the senators' names. I apologize. Oh, sorry, here it is. Uh, Susan Collins and uh, Lisa Murkowski um, are the two kind of um, pro-abortion Republican senators who, if they don't vote for in favor of Trump's nominee, uh, he might not go through. And so uh, everybody's kind of looking at this because they recognize if you if you lose Kennedy, who's by far the most liberal Supreme Court judge, and then you appoint a pro-life Christian conservative judge, the opportunity to overturn Roe v. Wade is there. So a couple things, Chris. I, I, I was curious what your opinion was. Number one, we've said on here several times, and we know some of some of the friends of the show, like Cross Politic, right, Apologia Studios, uh, they've been saying this for quite a while, and that is it's not actually constitutional for the Supreme Court to make laws. So Roe v. Wade was unconstitutional in general because it's the job of the, the Senate and Congress to, to pass laws, not uh, the job of uh, the Supreme Court. So I mean, all Christians are kind of looking at this. Do you think a better strategy for ending abortion in America is to overturn Roe v. Wade or to fight against the injustice of Roe v. Wade in the first place? I think the better strategy is to fight the injustice of the of the law in the first place because you can you can appeal to you can appeal to the neutral sense of logic and fairness in the, in that area. I don't think I don't think either way will be what conquers abortion. I think regenerate hearts will do that but um what i what i what i what i'm saying i think the better way to do it is to fight the injustice of it because you can do that on a state-by-state basis yeah so texas arizona these states that are moving towards fighting roe v wade yep they can do that at exactly they can do that at their at their level and abolish it in their state because they they still have control in their in the way the american system sets up to do that there yeah um the other, the other thing, I'm I'm hesitant to think that just appointing a, a Supreme Court justice is going to do that much. I think yeah. it's a I think it's a good step. I think it's the right step. I'm 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 prayerfully hoping this guy does get does get the nomination. But I think we're I think we're all hesitant to remember that, like the Republicans have had a majority in the past on, yeah. on the Supreme Court. Well, and that's the thing. And it didn't a, get a Republican majority Supreme Court past Roe v. Wade. Exactly. Right? So we can't put our faith in that. So, exactly. so I think the victory dances are premature. And I think that um, we need to uh, remember that Christ is our ultimate authority, not the right appointment or the right makeup of a Supreme Court. Um, but I absolutely agree with you for a number of reasons. I think that the only thing I think that's going to, like you said, it's only regenerate hearts that are going to stop the, the, the culture of death in North America. So I totally agree with you in there. And so I think if if on a state-by-state basis, they either embrace or reject abortion, um, I think that that will actually create, in the long run, um, a greater chance for all of America to follow suit and become you know, anti-abortion. Because um, I think if, if Idaho and Texas and Oklahoma and, and Arizona um, outlaw abortion and, and promote abortion, um, Christian ideals, 
then I think the culture of life there will be so contrasted to the culture of death in the more liberal states that Christians will flock there. And I think ultimately the contrast between good and evil, right and wrong, God's way and, and man's way, um, is is what will regenerate hearts. God uses his law and uses his, um, that that as a witness. I think the other just interesting point I'll throw out there, I think if you did see Roe v. Wade overturned, um, then it will be really interesting to see how many more liberal states are far more courageous than conservative states, right? Immediately, you know that California, Washington, Colorado, these states are immediately going to, not only are they going to react by legalizing abortion within their borders, but they'll probably get really liberal in terms of they'll almost go Canada's way where it's any abortion anytime ever. And they'll actually um, loosen the restraints on um, late abortions and, and late term abortions and stuff like that. So, and yet we've had Roe v. Wade uh, hang over our heads all these decades, and none of the Christian conservative states have been bold enough to to dare go against the federal um, mandate. So it's just interesting. Like I think you'll, I think, I think one of the condemnations of the church and, and of you know conservative Christians in general will be that we're going to see that there's more courage on the left than there is on the right, more in the pagan world than in the Christian world, and that's an indictment to the church. So so Christians right now need to repent and and, and get courageous. Absolutely. That's what I think we're seeing is the bold, the bold. Doug Wilson has that quote about uh, the the courageous men get statues built about them and then the humble men come and write books about them. I, right. I butchered the quote, but you get the idea. Yeah. What we need is we need, we need more people who are willing to take the stand yeah. and who are willing to say no and, and do the picketing, do the, do the fighting and do the things in, in the courts, in the States yeah. to outlaw, outlaw this because as much as we want to see hearts regenerate, obviously that's the that's the first step. We just want to see this stop, period. And then, like, the quicker we can get this to stop, the better, right? Like, yeah, because um, ba- babies are being murdered. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So, um, so that's what we have for Rebel News. Um, we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. We're we're kind of continuing this uh, little mini series we have, talking about some of the fruits of the spirit. Uh, and today we are going to be talking about gentleness and kindness as we engage the culture. So we'll be back right after the break. Are you afraid to open the last book of your Bible? Do you think you need special revelation to understand the book of Revelation? Are you scared you'll get left behind trying to understand all that symbolism? Are you afraid your brain might rupture trying to figure out when the rapture will happen? Relax. We've got good news for you. The book of Revelation is filled with many symbols and much imagery, but you can gain understanding by learning fundamental rules of interpretation and applying them properly to the biblical text. Let Pastor Nate Wright guide you through his Eschatology 101 video series. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com eschatology. That's Eschatology 101 with Nate Wright at rebelalliancemedia.com eschatology. Welcome back. 
Um, as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, we're into the third part of this mini-series about on how to use the fruits of the Spirit to engage culture. And today we're going to talk about gentleness and kindness. We're going to link the two together and show you really how to use these fruits of the Spirit to engage our culture around us, a culture that would say that these aren't values, that gentleness is, is a sign of weakness in a culture that says that Kindness is secondary to getting my own way. Um, this is a way for us to show you how what God says in his law and in the Bible can be used to combat this negative culture and really help share the gospel with our coworkers and really to engage the world with a biblical worldview, really. So as we've done the last couple of weeks, we have framed the series around Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So Nate, why don't you read that for us so we can just uh, delve right into it. Yep. So starting in verse uh, 19, it says, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of, of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we, we're just looking at that and we say, you know, that, that list of sins, which um, Galatians 5, Paul calls the works of the flesh, are really what we see. I mean, we see jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissension and division and envy, all those things, even sensuality and idolatry, impurity, immorality, we see all of those things in, in the culture war that's going on, right? So, so there is a battle. There's a battle, an ideological battle. It's happening in our schools. It's happening in our uh, public houses. It's, it's, it's happening on, in our laws and legal systems, happening on social media. There is a culture war going on. And, uh, and so as Christians who are trying to get involved in the culture war, trying to win ground for, uh, for Christendom, um, we, uh, we can't fight this battle the same way the pagans do. We have to fight this differently. And so we can't use fits of anger and sensuality and, uh, and things like enmity and division and rivalries and dissension. We can't use the same strategies that the enemy uses to fight this battle. So it, the, the means don't justify the ends. We, we must be godly in the ends we are pursuing and also godly in the means by which we are um, heading towards them. So so in, in opposition to all of the ways that the, that the pagans are fighting this cultural war, we have to do it with the fruit of the Spirit. And so today we're going to talk uh, specifically about uh, kindness and gentleness. Um, so why don't you jump into the conversation for us here, Chris? Yeah, the first thing I want to I want to say about gentleness is that we we all think that it's gentleness is like when I say we all the the natural assumption with gentleness is to think of weakness. Yeah, to think that somebody who's gentle can be taken advantage of. Yeah, somebody who's soft, and that's not what gentleness in the Bible is at all. Gentleness is restraint. Right. Um, so gentleness is understanding that. Um, that every person, every person has power. God has power. We have power. Where our words can influence people. The what we, how we fight, how we argue, physically and verbally, can influence people. And so, what gentleness is is really that power constrained and channeled in, in proper and good ways. Think of it. Think of it this way: God has ultimate power, yet He is gentle towards us that He allows both sinners and the righteous to live in this world, how we're living, you know what I mean? Some, yep. some with grace and some without. And he's 
gentle withholding his wrath from all of us. He's constrained that to a certain point in time and to certain events. So I, I think of it, I always, I always like to use Isaiah 55, 9 when, when thinking about this idea that we aren't to be how the world tells us to be when God says, for as the heavens and earth are higher, sorry, the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So yep. I use that to point, point out that God's ways are different than our ways. The, the Bible clearly affirms that. So with gentleness, when we start thinking about it, from a, a, like a heavenly perspective, we can start to use that as, as a mighty tool to, to engage our culture by softness, by, um, how do I, how do I phrase by being able to in, engage them in a way that isn't how they're used to being fought. It's, I, I liken it to, we've all, we've all been in this argument where, who he who gets loudest wins. Yeah. Like you, you we Just all know drown that. out the other person. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right? And the truth is, this is what we see, right? Go, like walk into any Facebook debate about a political, right? The, the Trump supporters versus the never Trumpers, like in any Facebook war, any Twitter storm, any, uh, any argument around the dinner table at like, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, like, absolutely. That's it. Whoever gets most offended and loudest wins the, wins the fight. Yeah, exactly. Right. We, we start seeing that like it, it isn't us being entitled or right. Even though we're the, as Christians, we're the ones that have the truth. We're the ones that understand the world correctly. Yep. Um, in most cases, gentleness is basically speaking the truth, but speaking it with like, with a humbleness that knows that it's not because of any wisdom or strength on our part that we have, we've got this, this right answer. Right. Right. And that's like, so yeah, the, the power is in the truth, which means you don't have to add your own force to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, gentleness, you, you talked about how gentleness is essentially restraint, right? Like the, a synonym of gentleness is meekness and, and Jesus, right. G, Jesus said of himself that he is, um, gentle and meek, right? Take my, when he's, when he's saying all you who are heavy laden, come and, and, uh, place my yoke upon you. And he calls himself gentle and meek, right? And Jesus even says, it's the meek that shall inherit the earth. And, uh, and so what, what meekness and what gentleness is, is power restrained, right? So if Jesus himself was gentle and meek, like you said, we might look at that as as um, not not only not virtues, but we might actually look at that as weakness. We would not say that Jesus was weak in any way, shape, or form. Jesus was powerful. He is omnipotent, right? He has all power, all authority, all truth, and yet he restrained it. He he restrained it. In in fact, you see this in the in the um, encounter that he has with Pontius Pilate, right? Where he's saying like, I could call down legions of angels here, hmm. but in in restraint, in, because of his gentleness, he chose to, to, to wage this war in a different way. And, and uh, I, I, think about the, um, uh, I think about the proverb um, that essentially says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, right? And so when we're talking about engaging the culture, we're talking about having uh, conversations that center around the gospel and, and are, are um, um, sharing God's truth with a world that is trying to suppress the truth about God. It says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so we can say the truth in a, in a harsh word 
And the truth is, like, think about how many um, how many times we think of like bluntness has become a virtue in our society, right? Like, how many times you know do you hear somebody talk about? Well, I just say it like it is, and people, you know, and and they say that as if that's a virtue. And and Christianity comes along, and Jesus comes along, and and Paul comes along talking about the fruit of the spirit, and he says, no, no, gentleness is the virtue. The virtue is knowing the truth, but not saying it bluntly, not saying it like it is, but saying it in a way that um, is a soft answer that turns away wrath rather than the harsh word that stirs up anger. And, you know, how many of our, our gospel conversations, how many of our even disagreeing as we bring the truth to bear in a, in a conversation or a situation, whether it's on social media or in person or wherever, how many times is, could we have said that in a gentle way that turned away anger? And so, uh, you know, this is, this is just a, a and, and we see this with Jesus, right? Like Jesus, you know, we, we, we often talk about like the woman at the well and the gentleness that Jesus showed there. I mean, he revealed her sin, right? He, he publicly shamed her. He talked about, you know, yeah, you've had five husbands or five uh, husbands and, and the one you're with now isn't your husband. And I mean, he reveals her sin, he shames her, but he does it in a gentle way. It didn't stir up anger in her, it turned away wrath. So there is, there is a way of us interacting with people. Now, sometimes we still need the whip, to drive out the money changers, um, but uh, but we ought to be restrained people, gentle people, meek people, while communicating truth. Yeah, I like I like how you liken a gentleness and meekness because I think that's something that people don't interwove, interweave like together. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Scripture does like in the Greek, Absolutely. those 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 words are very like linked together. I'm yep. obviously no Greek scholar, but. Um, they're, they're very much the same idea. Like gentleness is the strength of, um, like basically of being meek. It's like, that's kind of one of the things that's like this too, because it's, uh, it's basically the idea of gentleness here isn't softness. It's humility towards God and accepting God as the King of the sovereign Lord, his, his judgments, his, his righteousness, even if that means personal hardship for ourselves, and therefore, we can speak that to other people. We can be kind. We can have that display and that posture to other people um, in, in a way that displays God's glory to them, right? Um, meekness is also, uh, sorry, gentleness is also really, really a, a sign of wisdom in the Christian faith. Yeah, absolutely. Like somebody who can speak kindly and, and gentle to somebody displays their wisdom, right? Um, so I just think that's very interesting. Yeah, I agree. And, It's um, when you think about even just the word gentleness, right? It's not the same as the word weak, right? Somebody who's gentle is not somebody who's weak that, you know, they're they're different words. And so gentleness actually presupposes strength, right? If, If you had no strength, you'd be weak. But if you're gentle, it presupposes that you have strength that must be tempered when you're dealing with people. And so, so gentleness is actually, it's, it's the, it's the restraint of power. It's the, it's the, it's the control over power. And so, um, I think one of the things that we, we often forget is that kindness is kindness and, and gentleness, um, is, is not only something that doesn't display us as weak, but it's something that puts people off guard. So, so this is the other thing, like Mm -hmm. in a, in a conversation where there is disagreement, Um, it's the Christian who values gentleness, meekness, kindness, not the non-Christian. 
And so when we get into those things, we know how quickly defense mode comes in, you know, fight or flight, that whole thing. It's the Christian who is in self-control, practicing self-control, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, who can display gentleness and meekness and kindness in their interaction. It actually disarms the opponent, right? It it disarms the person who is ready for a fight. And instead of a fight, they're met with kindness. And so I think it actually disarms our opponents more than we think. Yeah, exactly. It's right. Like when... There's an analogy that this, that's helpful for me when I was under, when I was starting to learn what Christian gentleness is. Is the idea of like a father and a and a daughter. So if your daughter grabs your hand, she can squeeze with all her might, and it doesn't. She can be as ungentle towards your hand as she as she can. She can't do any damage to you. Right. But all you have to do is quickly squeeze her hand once, and she'll yelp and pull back because you have the power to do that. Because I'm stronger than my three-year-old daughter. <laughs> yeah, you're, that's probably the only person, but no, just like, uh, but what I'm, what I'm liking that to is that that's the idea of the Christian gentleness, right? right? We have the power. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the truth. We know the truth because we, it's been humbly, God has decided to use us to, to know that. Right. That, that, giving the quick squeeze is fine, but le- like the world can squeeze all they want against us, but we can't, but we have the power to squeeze back, but gentleness is restraining that. That's actually, a, I, I actually, I really like that analogy. So that's um, because, and I think this is, you know, Christians shouldn't be so self-conscious, right? Like we shouldn't be so, um, uh, that's not the word I'm looking for, but we shouldn't be so insecure, Right. We shouldn't be so insecure as to think that somebody's argument is going to tear down our faith. (laughs) Right. Like like somebody's like. and, And so here's the thing. God is going to win this world. Right. God's gospel will win the world. And. Um, the Great Commission will be successful. The ends of the earth will worship Jesus. He will have dominion from sea to sea to the ends of the earth. God's law will transform the nations. You know, the, the stone that was cut out is going to become a mountain that fills the whole earth. The mustard seed is going to grow into a plant that dwarfs all the other plants. Um, you know, the leaven is going to work its way through the whole loaf. You know, the, the, the world will be full of the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. All those things that God's word says is true. So what can man do? Right, like, what can the strategies and the ideologies of the left, of the of the pagan, of of the demonic, really actually do? They can't thwart God's plan. Similarly, the the fake gods and the fake idols of the world can't defeat the one true living God, and 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 the the um, lies of atheism cannot defeat the truth of the gospel. So. All of, like we don't need to be insecure. Like you, like that analogy is just such a perfect analogy. The the world can squeeze and squeeze. They can they can clamor and they can yell and they can shout and they can do all those things. But Psalm two actually says that God the God of heaven laughs at them and holds them in derision. Right? Like yeah. that's his response. <coughs> and yet our response as Christians is to to lose our minds over it. Right? To descend into the same sort of out of control, violent fits of anger that they do. And so we must, we must use restraint. We must use meekness and gentleness and kindness because we recognize that the world is moving in a direction and it's opposed to the, the direction they're pushing it in. And Christ is going to win. And so when Christ wins, their knee is already either already bowed or will be made to bow. And so we, we, we have to look at them with empathy and with pity as people who are fighting against a, an unmovable force. Yeah, exactly. And if you like, 
we can we can continue to rattle off verses about that, but it is the it is the gentle that do inherit the earth. The blessed are the meek, for they for they will inherit the earth. They, the kingdom of God is theirs. Right. So we know that through gentleness is one of the ways that we will conquer the world. Amen. Um, and so the question then becomes, what does this look like out in our culture? What does gentleness look like on your day to day day to day basis? How do you balance speaking truth? with gentleness. And I think, and I think the way I think of this is gentleness isn't softening the message. That's the first thing I think people need to remember always. Right. Our job is not to change the gospel. It's not to, to make it more palatable to people. Our job is to be obedient and speak it the way we speak it though, the way we deliver it, the, manner in which we speak the, and the, the tone, the to- the tone yeah, is a great all that, yeah. um, the way the way we do that that's that is something that we can control absolutely and that's where gentleness comes in right it's a it's an idea that we keep first the gospel we said this la- uh, last week or the week before how do you continually remember joy and self-control is preach the gospel to yourself yeah which also means preach the gospel to yourself when you're speaking the truth remember that this isn't because of entitlement on your on our parts because of any in enlightenment or, or wisdom on our parts that we understand the truth is because God has regenerated our hearts and blessed us with this. So speak humbly when you're, when you're declaring the truth. Amen. You're able to tell people that what is true in culture to help them show this because of the fact that you recognize that you're saved through grace alone. Yep. Amen. Right. Amen. I, uh, I think of uh, in Proverbs 25, uh, it says in verses 21 and 22, it says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink for you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. And I know you quote this verse all the time. And but that's what kindness does in the midst of a culture war. Right. So in the midst of a culture war where you are enemies. Right. And we see this right now, like in even when Trump does something good. Right. The left will not not acknowledge it even when christianity does some good in the world um you know the the pagans will not acknowledge it even when uh and we do this all the time when we interact we do we do some um, community ministry here at the church um at crossroads um so we do some some work with the crisis pregnancy center and we do some work with at the uh, local festivals and we do um work at uh, like a, a food kitchen sort of soup kitchen thing uh, we do we do all these kinds of mercy ministries, and it's interesting because people people will be grateful and people will be happy until they find out that it's from the church, and then it's like they don't want to acknowledge that we're doing anything good, and 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 so as Christians, what we have to do is is the recognition that the the more kind we are to our enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's sort of that kill them with kindness mentality. And it's actually, it really is like, like it, you know, Proverbs says it's, it's like heaping burning coals on their head, which is, a, which is a violent sort of image. But the idea here is that like, how frustrating is it when you're in an argument with somebody, when you're disagreeing at like very, very deep fundamental levels about what it means to be a man and woman, like what it means to, um, what love is, what tolerance looks like, like all of those, like big question, big fundamental things that, that change the way you see the world and, and live your life. When you're having those kinds of very, very deep, deep disagreements, maybe you're having a conversation with a woman who's had an abortion. So she's carrying all the guilt and the shame along with it. And you're talking about, uh, abortion, like how much is it burning or heaping burning coals on their head when you are just, you are above reproach 
in the way in which you're talking to them with all kinds of gentleness, all kinds of love and compassion. And, and if they are hungry, giving them bread to eat. If they are thirsty, giving them water to drink. In other words, meeting their physical needs, caring enough for them to meet their needs and to care for them in the midst of your disagreement. And this is why the Bible says, like, pray for our enemies and love those who, who persecute you, because that's what that looks like. Kindness to our enemies is something that looks so radically different from the strategy that the world employs, right? The strategy that the world employs, and, and un- unfortunately, we see Christians taking part in this, it's to villainize the other, right? Dehumanize the other, right? It's to make every Christian like a neo-Nazi. It's to make, you know, everybody who disagrees with our, our viewpoint like some sort of child abuser, right? That's the strategy, demonize them, villainize them. If instead we show kindness and love and meet their needs in the midst of of speaking truth uncompromisingly to them it completely disarms them and it and it heaps coals on their heads and so um and and that's that's part of the whole thing here is our message isn't the only thing that should look different but the way we articulate that message i i can't i couldn't agree more with that i think the killing the kill somebody with kindness thing is is a phrase that to the best of my knowledge, isn't actually in scripture, but it's, no, a, I, it's one of those ones that is very, very biblical if you think about it, right? right? Like the idea that the Bible tells us if somebody slaps us, give them your other cheek. If somebody's yep. lacking their shirt, give them their shirt. You, you, you have a very hard time being upset at somebody who's just loving you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It might irritate and, you. And, well, and, and actually, it sometimes frustrates you even more. This is one of the things oh, I say, oh, right? This is the one, one of the things I say to ministry leaders all the time. Like you have somebody in your ministry who's making life tough on you, right? In, in church ministry, we often call those extra grace required people. <laughs> we all know those kinds of people in our lives. Um, and if you don't, you're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and, but, um, but the point is, is that, you know, those people are trying to frustrate you. They, they, they really are. There are some people who they'll question every, every decision you make, everything that you do. They'll, they'll, they'll question all of that. And my advice to ministry leaders over and over again is just kill them with kindness. It will frustrate them so much that you're not getting upset with them because they because all it does is it acts like a mirror and reflects to them their own immaturity, their own childlike fits of anger and their their own works of the flesh as Galatians 5 would say because you're you're holding it up to them like a mirror and they're seeing you disagreeing with them, going your own way and acting godly in the midst of it. It frustrates them. And the truth is, it's, it's, it's one of the best ways to win an argument because at the end of the day, we are trying to win arguments. I mean, we're trying to win people with the truth of the gospel, but that means winning arguments. Um, 1 Corinthians 10 talks about how part of the way we wage warfare is to tear down lofty arguments that set themselves up against the uh, truth of God. So that is part of what this cultural engagement looks like. But when we do that with gentleness and kindness mm-hmm. and, and, and just killing people with kindness, as we keep saying, it frustrates them because they're losing, they're losing the ideological battle and they're losing the character battle that's, that's being waged in the midst of it. Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely spot on. I, I, another thing I, 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 would ch- I would just challenge them not to redirect the conversation here, but I would just challenge because I think this is something that the church has kind of lost. This, you said it um, a little bit ago in the in the talk there that you said about the idea that we should be around people who we disagree with. We totally. should be around people totally. who we can display this gentleness to. And I think this is something the church has kind of lost, especially in North America, where we we tend to surround ourselves, even in reform circles, we kind of surround ourselves with only people who all agree with everything we think. Yep. So people who can only affirm all the time. And I and I I have some 
people who I respect and love so much. And I often hear the phrase and I catch myself agreeing with it, but sometimes when they're like, I just couldn't connect with that person because they're, you know, we don't see eye to eye here, here, and here. They couldn't connect. And I think, well, part of the reason the gospel with this doesn't spread as much is that we're, we're very good at not like just isolating ourselves and just, we don't use the skill of appreciating disagreements and being able to work through them because we don't know how to do that. Right. And that's something that I think we need to like start doing basically put ourselves in situations where there are people who disagree with us so that we can display this fruit of the spirit to people so that we can win them to the gospel with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's interesting that, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that verse in first Peter, when it's talking specifically to wives who have, um, unsaved husbands Mm -hmm. and actually it, it says to them, you know, that essentially let, let your, like adorn yourself with good works, um, be submissive and gentle and, and that, that you may win them without a word. Right. And, and that's, that's that, that idea that, you know, to accompany the truth that we speak, right? So I'm just now applying that to the rest of the biblical mm-hmm. stuff that we've been talking about to, to, to adorn the gospel that we speak with the, the, the good works of gentleness and kindness and meekness is to adorn it with the right things, right? And so when we, when we speak the truth with harshness, like with, with, with that sort of blunt, curt attitude, then we're actually adorning the gospel truth with things that don't match, right? And so we're sending conflicting messages. And so, so it matters the kind of attitude that we display and the kind of character that we exhibit while we speak this, this gospel message into the world. So don't fight like pagans. <laughs> fight like <laughs> Christians. Don't fight like Jesus, um, who um, never compromised in truth, um, but could, could call himself meek and gentle and lowly of spirit. Yeah. And and let's not forget that that uh, Jesus in, in quoting I think it's Psalm thirty seven um, in the Beatitudes he says it's the meek right that is it's the gentle who inherit the earth so how do we win the earth because not, like notice what Jesus did in Psalm thirty seven it, it's it's talking about how through the faithfulness of God's people he will uproot the wicked and that that the the uh, meek will inherit the land. And then Jesus comes along, right? Right at the, the time of the new covenant when, when the gospel was going to go from just to Israel to the ends of the earth. And he comes along and he, he, he makes that. Remember when I said that the meek inherit the land? What I really meant was the meek inherit the earth. And so the way in which we win the world with the great commission through the go- power of the gospel and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit is by being meek, by being gentle, by being kind as we go forward with the gospel. Amen. Amen. Anything you want to add to that? Be good. No, I think that I think that's great. It's a very, it's a it's a tricky one because gentleness isn't a virtue in our society, right? So yeah, totally. it's one of those things that we have to we have to look to Scripture. We have to look to Christ. We have to look at how He displayed this in in the Bible so that we can learn how to do this ourselves, right? Yeah. Um, this is the sovereign God who had all authority, yet still was able to be gentle but yeah. still took the whip when he needed to at certain points. So how do we balance that? I think that's something we can continue to delve in. And I just challenge people to continue to do that because 
this is a virtue. This is a gift of the spirit. This is something we should be cultivating ourselves, even if society says that we shouldn't be, right? And and so maybe just in closing, it's worth saying, like we've said over and over again, that this is a virtue, even though the world would view it as weakness, which also means that you need to be willing to be viewed as weak, right? There will be people who aren't thinking biblically who will mistake your gentleness for weakness. And that's going to push up against your ego, right? That's going to rub you the wrong way because you don't want to be viewed as weak. So you might be viewed as weak, even though you're not displaying weakness, you're actually displaying gentleness and you have to be okay with that. You need to let your ego take a hit in order to be gentle and kind. <laughs> that's, that's a glorious point for all yeah. of us. So, all right, we, uh, let's wrap up this one and uh, we're going to come back at you next week and we're going to wrap this up. We're not going to go through every single one of the fruits of the spirit, but we're going to uh, join a couple of different ones together next week and kind of wrap up this little mini series about how to engage the culture with the fruit of the spirit. Um, if you are uh, first time listening to The Rebels, we would encourage you find uh, us on Facebook, follow us, all that kind of stuff. If you're a long time listener and you haven't done this yet, shame on you. Go onto our Facebook page and invite your friends to like our Facebook page so that they see our posts, share it onto your page, like our posts, comment, interact with us. It just helps us spread the message. Go and find some blog posts on the Rebel Alliance website now. Share those onto Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Just help get this message out. That's how you become part of the rebellion and uh, and support uh, what we're doing here if you have any suggestions for topic title or topics um, any of that kind of stuff get in touch with us we love interacting with you we're trying to help you equip uh, help equip you to engage culture with a biblical worldview so however you need to be equipped get in touch with us let us know and we'll try to be uh, of some help to you all right say goodbye to the people pootie goodbye to the people <laughs> <laughs> well that sounds like west <laughs> see ya